Welcome to Flopography, where we revisit old pop albums that are known by many, not because of their critical or commercial success, but because of their lack thereof. These albums received the designation of flop. But did we give them a fair shake? Hello and welcome to the final episode of season two of Flopography. Mike and I are really excited to bring you this last episode, the last track of our season. Uh, We may have a bonus episode coming up, but this is our last official episode as a part of season two. Uh, Mike, it's been a wild ride in season two. Yeah. Uh, So excited to, to bring this one to a close. But before we get into this week's album. I want to hear more about Taylor Swift night, the reputation night that you had uh, over the weekend. How did that go? Yeah. So um, our special guest and a few other friends and my bae, we all went to Taylor Swift reputation night at Scarlet in Chicago. And if y'all have been to Scarlet in Chicago, go because it's so fun. They always have theme nights. But anyways, it was Slay. I will say I afterward, I'm like, you know, reputation is not an album to dance to. Here we go. Before we get into this album, I do want to call out a story that I have quickly. This artist, Lady Gaga, she has been all over the news with her latest release of House of Gucci. Now that I'm in LA, uh, I've been trying to score uh, screening opportunities. And so I belong to this form that I uh, saw it was it's a movies form and there was a link posted to go see a screening of House of Gucci and it was the first time it was screened I go to the screening and as soon as the credits roll there's a Q&A with Lady Gaga Adam Driver the whole cast uh, Salma Hayek let's not forget her Salma Hayek yeah I actually take a picture of the Q&A and and I posted it on Twitter all of a sudden my tweets like normally just get a few likes it started going crazy I started getting hundreds and hundreds of likes one of them tweeted at me, like, how, how was the movie? And I said, you know, it was super entertaining. I had a, I had a great time. All of a sudden, I leave uh, leave the Q&A, leave, leave the theater. And I see on Twitter and on different forums, it's saying, Steve Mariani, New York Times entertainment critic. Shut up. Is reviewing uh, House of Gucci in a positive light. And I had you to, like. You really? I'm looking I had to tweet, I am not an entertainment critic for the New York Times. I am a strategist. I guess there was an embargo on the movie so no critics could actually even say how they felt about that movie despite people tweeting out photos and things from the Q&A so until the following Tuesday so I was one of the first people to react to the movie so needless to say I took the tweet down and said that I wasn't a critic did you screenshot we, we need to show people what the mentions are yes I, I have screenshots you should have said Steve Mariani of flopography said that the movie was amazing So without further ado, I'll introduce the album that we'll be reviewing in our final episode, which is Lady Gaga's Joanne. And this is Mike's choice. To set up some context of Joanne, this was released October 21st, 2016, and it's Gaga's fifth studio album. And the album really references Lady Gaga's Aunt Joanne, who died when she was 19 years old. Mark Ronson, in partnership with Blood Pop, produced the album, And uh, Joanne is really a stripped down version of Gaga with pop, soft rock and country elements. And it's really a stark departure uh, from Lady Gaga's previous dance oriented music. And so uh, Lady Gaga really softened her image for this album with a more singer songwriter look. She had the cowgirl hat and the jeans. So 
I'm wearing denim. Mike, do you want to talk a little bit about your outfit and the hat? Yep. I got my cowboy hat. That's going to go off in about a second here. So the album was promoted at Lady Gaga's Super Bowl halftime show in the winter of 2017. Uh, she also had a Netflix documentary, Gaga Five Foot Two. Mike, did you did you watch that one? Yeah, our next guest is actually Five Foot Two, so it's pretty funny. The album was nominated for Best Pop Album and earned two uh, nominations for Best Pop Solo Performance uh, at the Grammys, uh, with Joanne, her piano version, winning. Additionally, she had uh, recently broke off her engagement with actor Taylor oh. Kinney from Chicago Fire. Mike, do you ever see him around Chicago filming? I don't. Like, I know they're always everywhere, Like, but I kind of just honestly tune it out at this point. But it's funny because on one of my clients' uh, river cruises, they literally point at me. They said that's Taylor Kinney and Lady Gaga's a condo or apartment that they used to have but it's not there anymore obviously but it was crazy because gaga was like always in chicago at that time and so good times let's get into the album by the numbers mm-hmm. so the album sold two hundred and one thousand album units in the first week Art Pop did actually sell more, 258,000 album units. Born This Way had such like metamorphic sales. It sold 1.1 million in the first week. So I think that come down to Art Pop uh, in now Joanne at 201,000 felt stark. But just in context, Chromatica, her recent album this year, sold 274,000. Uh, hmm. So that is 73,000 more than Joanne. Interesting. Uh, so if you want to rank it, it goes Born This Way, uh, Chromatica, Art Pop, and then Joanne. And Chromatica so, is Slay, Cue Stupid Love. I want your stupid love, love. All right, moving on to the album singles. So on the Hot 100, uh, Gaga's lead single, which was Perfect Illusion, uh, debuted at number 15 and peaked there, spent six weeks on the chart. Million Reasons was her second single, and that peaked at number four and spent 20 weeks on the Hot 100. And just so you know, it peaked after the Super Bowl and had kind of a resurgence uh, after the Super Bowl. And that's when it really became Gaga's like one hit from the album. And then third, the promotional single was AO, and it uh, peaked at number 66 for one week, but it wasn't an official radio single. Chaos, love, 
the album Longevity, it went number one and spent 49 weeks uh, on the charts and is platinum. So it sold over a million records. Born This Way, for, for reference, spent 56 weeks. So it only spent seven more weeks than uh, Joanne. But that album is uh, four times platinum. Art Pop went number one, spent 29 weeks and sold a million total to date. Chromatica went number one and spent 41 weeks and has a million to date, but it's not certified yet. This spent 20 weeks longer on the chart than Art Pop. Wow. You know, and it's funny because I think Lady Gaga's eras are just getting shorter and shorter. I'm sick of their city games. I crave a real wild man. I'm strong out on So on Metacritic, this album has a 67, which means generally favorable. Born This Way had a 71. Art Pop had a 61, and Chromatica had a 79. Chromatica's are actually actually her most acclaimed album from critics. What? I mean, uh, good. Chromatica is slay. It's yeah. so much better than Flop Ann. Well, don't re don't reveal yourself too soon. Oh, right? I didn't say it was a flop though, did I? I said it was no. Flop Ann. Oh. So I'll read you one positive and then one mixed review uh, excerpt. So the positive, Joanne still represents a striking course correction for Lady Gaga. By abandoning the dance club for the dive bar, she may have tossed aside her status as a pop star once and for all, but Gaga has emerged as something better and truer. Uh, a mixed reaction was, once a step ahead of everyone else in recalibrating what it means to be a pop artist, she made her appropriations and reinventions look like fun. Now she sounds like she's just trying too hard. I was 23, she was 35, I was spiraling out, and she was so alive. And now it's time to get into the analysis of the album, and we have a special guest today, and this time it is someone Mike brought to us. It's no other than John Wayne himself, uh, JK, but actually, so the person coming on today is Drew Aducci, and Drew is who's on now as actually my uh, former co-host on the <laughs> critically acclaimed Bop to This Music. So Drew, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I, uh... I've listened to quite a few of your episodes and I think it's huh. really fascinating to like take a look back at albums that were kind of critically massacred at the time they were okay. released. So um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about one of my faves. Drew, what was your initial reaction to the album when you first heard Joanne? I was really disappointed um, because we had waited so long for an album follow-up to Art Pop. Art Pop came out in 2013. And like you guys said, she she released the Tony Bennett album in, I think, 2014. The Ass Cheek? Yep, that one. <laughs> okay. And, then, and so it had been like three full years since she had released like an individual project, a solo project. And so that's a long time to go between releasing albums. And so... While I was like a huge fan of art pop, I was 
at that point disappointed that it was so critically panned. And so I was like looking forward to something that was like exciting for me, but also had the potential to to appease the critics. People listen to Gaga for bops to dance and this album minus maybe one song, maybe two, got them to dance. And I, like, honestly, Steve, like you, I love Blood Pop. Blood Pop is one of my top pop producers. When I saw he was listed on this album, I'm like, oh shit, it's going down. Um, and I think that Perfect Illusion, the first single, is the perfect illusion for, for people trying to get sucked into the album because there is nothing like it on the record. That's for damn sure. My initial reaction was suspense because I felt that I was continuously waiting for like the climax. Gaga's known for her hooks, her big choruses. This is coming off, not only you mentioned Cheek to Cheek, Drew, but Gaga also sang Sound of Music at the Oscars and was like critically lauded for that. Um, and I think I think that people were really excited for her her next project, and that I I felt just waiting for the um, payoff as I was listening to the album. It just seemed like she was all over the place in terms of um, a theme. She because she has these like serious issues that she addresses with like Joanne, her aunt, and then um, Angel Down is a song that kind of talks about police brutality. But then she like has the these carefree and like sexual moments as well with like John Wayne and and dancing in circles, which is about like self gratification. Oh. Um, so it seemed like all over the place. It seemed like she didn't really have a focus, and I I think that may have confused people. To me, it seemed like she was trying to kind of cling on to that sound of music success that you mentioned by trying to come off as personal and authentic and but at the same time she wanted to kind of appease her fans with like these semi bops like AO and and John Wayne Hollering over rubber spinning big swig toss another beer can to live tonight praying on the moonlight every John is just the same I'm sick of their city games I crave a What specifically was your low moment from her entire era? I'd say probably the least exciting part of the era was like the music videos for me. Least exciting? Yeah. Really? Okay. I mean, Tell us if, more. If you compare the Joanne era music videos to the music videos from her previous eras, like there's no comparison. Like, the fame, the fame monster, born this way—they're all superior. Even yeah. even art pop with the the GUI video is kind of like very cinematic. Like all of the music videos from from Joanne are very simple. It's literally Gaga just singing the song. For Perfect Illusion, she's in the desert. For Million Reasons, she's like in her her dressing room. And then for John Wayne is is definitely one that is a little more exciting because it has Jonas Ackerland who did telephone and um, paparazzi. That was the art in her pop of, uh, 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 no, but that was like her art to street in this era was trying to dial it back, trying to not be so brash 
and you know and cinematic and god if i had to see one more eight minute long music video from her i don't know what i would do I'd, my, my head would explode it. this entire era was a gaga reset of sorts and i think the videos support that now i will say she looked effing hot in perfect illusion when she like has the microphone like swirling it around everywhere and her little glittery top it was hot speaking of per- perfect illusion the song did not vibe with the rest of the album so when that was released as a lead single it set up a false expectation of yeah. what joanne was actually going to be i would love to hear an entire rock album by gaga like similar to like a plastic hearts by miley cyrus like i think gaga would be great in that yeah. genre famously the the chain smokers i don't know if you guys remember this but they said perfect illusion sucks and so when ao came out gaga actually like tweeted i hope you guys like this one and tweeted at the chain smokers oh my god and i know that for gaga it was it was her lowest performing single if you look at just dance hit number one bad romance number two born this way number one applause number four shallow number one and stupid love number five perfect illusion is the only one that is in a top 10. What should have been the single on Joanne? <laughs> Diamond Heart's kind of the most interesting song, I think, from the album, just because it kind of, um, it details how Gaga survived her life as a go-go dancer earlier in her career before she got made it big. I didn't know if AO was on the table because it was technically a promo single. What's interesting is that I, I think I remember hearing her and it was either the five foot two documentary or somewhere else I heard it. She was like talking to Mark Ronson about like, this song is going to be as big as like uptown funk. Um, and it never happened. <laughs> See, but like, that's the thing, like missed opportunity with AO. She like rocked the heck out on the SNL performance and just like, God missed opportunity. If she called it out with Mark Ronson, that this is going to be your next big hit and it didn't happen. You messed up, baby girl. I'm so sorry about that, but you did. So is AO your choice, Mike? Oh, 100%. I mean, 100%? if it's on the table, okay. yes, that is it. That is the, should have been a single. Should have been the lead, actually. I tried to pick an album track, and so I chose Dancing in Circles. I felt that that, to me, really had this, like, quint- more quintessential Gaga vibe in the sense it reminded me a bit of, like, Alejandro. In the All right, Drew, in your opinion, what aged the best from this album? Like Gaga's reputation as a singer-songwriter. The fact that she was able to kind of take this era and then kind of move toward the singer-songwriter sounds from A Star is Born. And I, 
she she performed the hell out of million reasons like she performed it everywhere um including the super bowl and i i think that was the song that she needed to like allow herself to to get to her shallow moments and like look at where she is now as mike said i don't know if she would have this movie career if if it weren't for for Joanne. A million reasons walked so shallow can run. A million reasons is what Gaga wanted to be this like, ubiquitous like karaoke song and that's like kind of like what shallow became. My, yeah. It's the best for you. <laughs> yeah I th honestly think it's the singular and that's the song A Million Reasons. It's going to be a timeless track and I don't say that lightly because I don't use the word timeless uh, all over the place but like it truly is a really good song. Well written, great production and see if your point her playing it in the super bowl and then it skyrocketing like that was that was method you know she had strategy behind that I've got a hundred million reasons to walk away but baby I just need one good one to stay At the time, like she started this trend of being like countryfied and acoustic. Uh, and that ambition of the album to me felt like what aged the best. Uh, many other, there was a recent article that I read that like many other artists followed, though not necessarily successfully because we've reviewed a few of these albums. Uh oh, don't but, say uh, Miley Cyrus, Younger Now, came out after uh, Joanne and uh, Justin Timberlake, Man of the Woods. So two, two flops, but uh, Kesha Rainbow. Uh, and Harry Styles was even even referenced in this article for Sign of the Times as being influenced by Gaga. Steve, I am going to say this now. Gaga did not start the country pop trend. I knew he was going to say that. He's Blueprint attributed to Madonna. One and only Madonna. Madonna had the music era with her little country cowboy shirt and everything. Now, the music was folky pop electric, but like, oh my gosh. Gaga, just like much of her career, took this page from the Madonna playbook and acted on her own and took that. And I got to tell you, she made it new again, and then people copied her. But the OG always will be Madge. What aged like cheddar cheese to you? What was what did not Milk. age well on this album? I'm going to say the collaborations she had on this album. You didn't like Florence? A lot of Little Monsters were looking forward to that one particular song because many of them kind of also stan Florence Welch. So that was a disappointment. And then I'd also say, like, as far as the producers, like, her her collaboration with Mark Ronson did eventually lead to Shallow. But, like, the work they did on Joanne, like, I, I think Gaga was trying to emulate amy winehouse back when mark ronson worked with her because she had such a critically acclaimed album with back to black and and i think that's what gaga was trying to get with joanne trying to get more personal and more authentic and and that collaboration just didn't didn't push out anything very innovative in my opinion for what hasn't aged well is did Lady Gaga know her Aunt Joanne? Does she actually know her in her life? 
I don't believe so because I think her aunt passed away at like 19. That's what Jenny kept referencing while we were watching the five foot two doc is like, this is all about her aunt Joanne that she didn't really know. Yes. <laughs> if Gaga aimed for authenticity in this era, I'm sorry, but the aunt you did not know ever, but your your dad has told you about, that's, that doesn't scream authentic to me. Like, I would understand if it was her aunt that she grew up with and she knew, but, like, there's no connection to a personal tie-in, personally, if I have an aunt that passed away that I never got to know. I That, to me, that was not aged well and will always kind of be like a cloud over the entire era. She made the album mostly to help heal her dad and, like, heal his trauma from from the loss he experienced. And... And I think she acknowledged in the interview that she she didn't help the trauma go away. And, and it wasn't going to be something that was possible for her to do just by creating this album dedicated to her aunt. So for me, what didn't age well is the quick pivot at Coachella releasing The Cure. And I say that because it's clear when an artist released something like a song that feels out of touch with their previous work that they're trying to course correct something. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think with Gaga, it was like, did I go too far in a direction that's away from my fans and dance music and this, this home that I've carved out for myself over my career? It actually reminded me a lot of the Star is Born pop songs like Heal Me and others. I thought it was a bop and a half, um, but also total her trying to move away from the era. Drew, I think you liked it, right? Yeah, I liked it. And I think I remember when... Um, she released it after Coachella. I remember you texting me, Mike, and you're like, Gaga's released her best song in like five years or something. True, though. And, and I, there's many fans that have speculated that it is like an, a Star is Born leftover. Leftover that did not make the cuts. What's your rationale for what went wrong? I just, I just think she abandoned her fan base. Like, because art pop was kind of divisive, some people thought it was too loud. Some people really loved it. I think a number of fans were looking forward to what they actually experienced with Chromatica, which was Gaga's return to dance pop roots. And because that's what she does best, in my opinion. The fact that she was like teasing her fans with like Red One and it kind of was like a slap in the face almost to say, okay, here are these pro producers, but actually, no, I'm not going to, not going to include them on the album. It's going to be something totally different. Um, so I, I do think she lost a good chunk of fans oh. with the release of Joanne because it, it did turn a lot of people off. I think that like there's an identity crisis going on in this album and she presents a rocky pop song first has some country twang song some folky and it's like go all in with it and i think even with the promotion i remember around the era there was there was mystery around it and i think steve you were curious right you said what is it going to be like and we it fell flat for a lot of people she kind of branded the album in a way that was confusing as well um Very she confusing. kept saying like i am joanne i am my father's daughter which Kind of similar to Art Pop's branding, it was confusing. She labeled Art, pa Art Pop as like a reverse Warholian experience. So <laughs> she she has an issue with like presenting her albums in a clear cut way, whereas like Chromatica was very clear cut. It was about like the trauma she's experienced and like her crisis as like 
a person and a celebrity. Her first three albums were very clear. The Fame, The Fame Monster, and Born This Way. Like, mm-hmm. you instantly know what you're That's getting true. with each of those. The success of an album, especially the first week sales, have a lot to do with the previous success of that artist, right? At the time of art pop, she was held to like an unrealistic standard of, of success. And I think that Joanne still kind of that lingered because it was like, oh, she had one divisive album, but she's going to come back like born this way level. And so I think that people were immediately like saying that this was a disappointment because it wasn't what it was once was for Gaga. Radio dropped Gaga at Do What You Want and GUI. Pop radio is what made Gaga early on in her career. When a song doesn't have longevity on the Hot 100, a lot of it has to do with because of radio metrics. So Million Reasons peaked at number four right on the Hot 100, but it only peaked at number 17 at pop radio. Perfect Illusion peaked at number 22. It's her worst performing single outside, I think, of GUI. That time was not supportive of her from a radio perspective. And I think that, coupled with Drew, your, your point about fans not even really being supportive of this one. It's like, who was the audience for this was kind of the question I kept coming back to. This is our 2021 review. Ooh-hoo. Cue the the title card. Thanks, Mike. Uh, (laughs) Let's start with Mike. All right. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Mike, is Joanne a flop or not? I'll be honest with you. Um, I second guessed my thought and opinion while I was in the shower earlier today. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe it truly was not a flop. And then I'm like, no. And this the, during the course of this conversation, I was like, no, what the hell are you thinking? It's a flop. It tries too hard, comes off as inauthentic. While for the, for the general public, from a, a total commercial perspective, it is a complete flop. There are songs like even in AO where she's over singing. And I think that is one of the reasons that radio doesn't embrace her as much anymore. When you look at like an Ariana Grande or uh, other artists, they never over sing. And there were times where uh, Gaga's voice was like breaking a bit. I always go last, so I'll let Drew go last since he's a fan. It it was not a flop. I can understand why it feels like a disappointment and a flop to fans. I really can. Um, but it it really doesn't showcase what little monsters like like about Lady Gaga. So I can I can completely see that. But I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head, Mike, when you said it set up the rest of her career. I mean, she is not having a repeat probably in, in music the way she did with born this way and with the fame, but she's having it in movies right now. Um, A Star is Born, she was nominated for Best Actress. House of Gucci, she's likely going to have another Best Actress. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
love it. Drew has to do it by the end of the show, by the way. She's, she's the show probably getting way. another Best Actress nomination at the Oscars this year. And she wouldn't have that without Joanne. She really wouldn't. I don't think people would have taken her so seriously. So I do think that this set up her success for the future. And for that, I can't call it a flop. It almost had 50 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100. That's more than Art Pop, Chromatica, Cheek to Cheek. I, I got to say, this to me is, is not a flop. Drew? For me, it's a flop, and <gasps> wow. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I, I really tried to like it um, when it oh, first yeah. came out. I like would listen to it regularly just to try to connect with the songs, and and at this point, it's the it's the album that I visit the least amount, um, and and I think that says something. Being like a huge fan of Lady Gaga, that I. I tend to avoid her Joanne songs. And, and while I do think, sorry, my dog's barking in the background. Um, it's okay, while, the show's used to it. <laughs> <laughs> while I do think it was like a necessary step in her career to pave the way to A Star is Born and her movie career, I think Gaga predicted this kind of success or lack thereof earlier on in her career, like with her paparazzi video, like the fall of the modern day pop star. Like, you know that you have, at some point, you're going to hit the lowest of lows. And even though I think for her, maybe art pop may have been considered the lowest of lows as far as her, her appeal toward the general public, for her fans, this was the lowest of lows. I confess I am lost in church where we used to meet she had to go through this flop era in order to have this rejuvenation of a career well and i think going forward like if she ever does tour again which god i hope she does i i feel like million reasons might be the, the lone song from this album that she ever performs going forward like i don't see her performing perfect illusion or john wayne in any future tours so, Why do you think she discarded Perfect Illusion like she like she did in terms of performances? Do you think that she just realized it didn't land? Because it it's about Taylor Kinney and she doesn't want to talk about him anymore? She was very um, very unclear as far as who the song was actually about. And, and she said, like, you could have a perfect illusion about anyone. And so I think that also drew me away from the song because, like, it, like, like Mike was saying, it lacked that authenticity. Like, if you're going to actually sing about your ex, acknowledge that it's about your ex. But Well, Drew, that's a good point because I feel like Taylor Swift makes her career off that, right? <laughs> she invites people into her life. Right? And people get excited about it. People get excited about it. Like, you have to involve people into the true story. I felt like Gaga has such a spin on everything that she does. And it's like, just fucking, I mean, she's gotten better in the last couple of years. But just mm -hmm. own it. Say what right. you say what it is about. And I also think Perfect Illusion is kind of a difficult song to sing, like, especially when you get to that note change toward the end of the, or that key change toward the end of the song. So that might be another reason she, like, avoided the live performances of it was because it was, like, 
actually a difficult song to sing. And All right, Drew. But well, you guys both both called it a flop. I called it not a flop. But before we sign off, I'm interested in your top three Gaga albums. Okay, one is Chromatica. <gasps> wow. Two is our top. Three is the Fame Monster. I think I'm gonna go with the same one. To be honest, same exact one. Wow. She didn't wow. really really release a lot of singles from that. I mean, again, it was only Rain on Me and Stupid Love. And after Rain on Me went number one, I thought that she she usually you release another single after a song goes number one. Um, but she didn't, which was which was a surprise to me because she had some other songs. Like I thought Free Woman could have been a radio oh, single. Yes. And she yeah. recently said that she has I'm a hard time singing these songs from Chromatica. So I don't know if that plays a part in it um, because it is very trauma, trauma heavy for her, but not an excuse in my opinion. So now it's time for the last track where we wrap up our season two, Mike. Uh, I know we might have a bonus episode coming up, but it has been so much fun uh, doing this again. We started season one with Lady Gaga. We ended season two with Lady Gaga. Send us any of your recommendations at Flopography Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, what were your favorite albums this year? What were your flop albums for the year? And what uh, what do you think about Lady Gaga's Joanne? Mike? Email us at flopographypodcast at gmail.com. Anchor.fm slash flopographypodcast will route you to everywhere you can find our podcast. And actually now, outside of YouTube, you can watch our podcast on Spotify. So pretty cool if you're a big Spotify fan. Which which I did while I was in the shower. I listened to it while I was in the shower. Mike I think they while you should. He said that was so camp and sent Mike a video of it. It was embarrassing. Not of me well, in the shower, just of me listening. <laughs> if you're not watching it in the shower, no, watch it on YouTube and then like, comment, and subscribe. Give us all the love. Drew, thank you for coming. Did you have fun? Yeah, I had a blast. Thanks again, guys, for having me. Yeah. Check out Bop to This Music, too. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Good plug. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for listening to two full seasons of us and uh, we look forward to keeping in touch. Have a good uh, holiday and we'll talk soon. Bye, guys.